You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. I invite you to stand right now as we hear our scripture for this morning. John 15, verses 4 to 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. Um, that's actually just going to be some of uh, the different scriptures we're going to be looking at this morning. If I have not met you, if I don't know you, my name's Dan. I get to serve as one of the pastors. It's actually been a while since I've been able to preach uh, here in Hamden. I've been at the New Church Plant a lot and other different things, so it's uh, my pleasure to be back here. Um, so it's, um, it's a fun time in our city right now. A lot of good things going on, and, and one of them is centered around... Um, this, this group of men that play this game, it's called football. And uh, so people are having a lot of fun. And if you would ask residents of our city, who is our hope for Baltimore? Who is the savior that we trust in and put our rest in? I, I think more than Jesus, which hopefully we would say here, good enough people is, yo, Lamar. <laughs> Lamar is our hope. He is the one we have been waiting a long time for. Uh, we rejoice in La Marvelous. And, you know, you look at Lamar, if you're familiar with the game, if you don't know football, don't worry. This is not going to be a whole thing about him. You're like just snooze for about a minute here. But his number, his jersey number's number are what? Eight. Some of you all know that, right? You're not reading your Bible, just watching football? It's okay. His number eight, and, um, you know, that's, he's probably got different reasons. For one, one thing that I found interesting, discovered recently from an article, was that uh, one of the biggest influences in Lamar Jackson's life and journey is his mother. Um, and maybe for some of us as well, right, our mothers. But his mother really, and if you go research it, it's crazy. Like she was doing drills with him as he's growing up. A huge influence. But she, she also taught him how to live life. And one thing that she taught him was following this thing called the super eight. There were these eight values that she impressed upon her son, eight core values in his life. If you're interested really quickly are God, prayer, faith, family, education, sacrifice, character, and discipline. Man, that could be a great sermon series right there, right? Lamar's 8. Not that we'd be using that to draw anyone in, but, um, but it, it's, it's these values that have kind of guided his journey along. Like these are some core values that have said this is kind of going to be who you are. And, and if you watch him, you can tell this has made a difference on who Lamar Jackson is. And it reminded me, as I think about us here, um, that I've rarely encountered the person who's experienced real sustained achievement or success or growth in life. I mean, it's the new year. So all of us are like, yo, it's a whole new me. This is my year. Finally, things are going to come together. And we kind of like want it to happen. And sometimes we think like the turning of the calendar automatically kicks something into gear. But, but what I've experienced is that most people who experience, experience some kind of growth or change or momentum in their life, they've had some kind of intentional plan. There's been some kind of intentional girding to guide their steps. And I would describe these as pillars. If you think about a building, or uh, we, our family went camping with some other friends, even in the church recently. Like, 
you have these pillars or stakes or things that you want to build on, but you need those foundations to be solid and stable and strong so that you can build out and really have all these other good things. If you got a bridge, you want some solid pillars, foundations there. And in the same way as we look at life, I think sometimes we have a real desire to want to see good things, but we don't put as much time into what are some of the girding pillars in our life. Or maybe we can say foundations, values, uh, perhaps rules of life, however you want to phrase it. So for the next two weeks, um, you know, in, in a couple more weeks, we'll get back into the book of Galatians, and we're going to pound that out in a, in a good way as we study Scripture. But for the next two weeks, I'm going to be sharing some of those pillars in my own life, and hopefully there's some kind of uh, connection that you'll be able to experience, even if it's not the specific ones for me. But thinking through what are some of those pillars that I want to bring before God to set in my life as I seek to know him more. So on that thought, can you join me in prayer right now as we ask the Lord's leading in this place? God, I thank you for um, the people in this room. Lord, some of them I know better than others, but um, the one common thing is it's, I just see your mercy at work to even bring us in this room this morning. Um, a lot of us, Lord, have even experienced joy maybe with the turning of the new year and the holidays, but maybe some of us have experienced regret, um, already feeling like we've let ourselves down, let others down with promises or resolutions we wanted to make and change. And sometimes even the daily, regular burden of feeling like we're not doing well. But we thank you that your mercy is evident in this room even by bringing us up, waking us up this morning, another new day. But Lord, also bringing us in this place that we could experience you one more time. And God, so we bring our fragile hearts and our fragile minds and spirits and bodies here. Because for some of us, Lord, uh, we only have one more left. We're ready to give up. But we thank you. You don't give up on us, Lord. So continue to give mercy here. And Holy Spirit, take some of the things we're going to talk about here today and, and draw us to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, as I, uh, and again, it'll be this week and next week, but uh, some of these different pillars. But one pillar for me is um, I need to receive what I want to give to others. Receive what I want to give to others. Um, and, and, you know, as we think about our church here at the village, and again, if you're new here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you can take some steps to find out what our community is about. But one thing is our mission, kind of like how do we live through what we want to see happen. For us, our mission is transforming lives and transforming communities. What that means is we love our city and we love the world so much and we believe the way transform transformation happens is as you all here individually come and you experience who God is. Maybe you guys feel very close to him. Maybe you feel as far as you can imagine but for some reason you're, you're taking steps as part of this community. Our hope is that you would experience who Jesus is and that your life that's transformed is being sent to all these different people, that you are going to know people that maybe no one else in this room knows, but because you know God, you are going to make an impact and whole communities will be transformed then. Like, I, I just, my, my dreams are, I like imagine CrossFit communities in Baltimore, like stay-at-home mom communities, like Hopkins Med communities, whatever it might be, whoever you represent, you're going to go back filled with the good news of Jesus and make an impact, whether you're intentionally trying or not. And I hope that inspires you. I mean, it inspires me. 
I mean, I, I get to do this, so I guess it inspires me. But hopefully it inspires you. Here's the thing. If you're not careful, that very good work and mission can crush you. If you're not careful, the very endeavor that you're inspired by can work to crush who you are. Um, you won't be able to tell by looking at me now because I'm out of shape right now. But a few years ago, I ran uh, a marathon, and I had to do a lot of training, right? So I kicked into the gear having to train. And, you know, it's running, of course. So I start running more and more, and you pile on miles as you do that. I remember one day, though, I, I, I went out in the morning, and I did my multi-mile run. I came home, and, and no joke, I walked in the door. I started feeling, like, kind of weird. Like, I was like, what's going on here? And, like, I fell over. Because I, like, lost consciousness for a second. It was, like, that sense of blacking out. It wasn't full blackout, right? Because, you know, but I, I, like, stumbled over for a second. And I was like, okay, I've, I've broken something. Something's not right here. This is why running's bad. No. Like, but, you know, there was something going on there. And then I realized I did a little Google research because, you know, Google has WebMD. It's all the medical information you need, right? And you doctors are going to start throwing your Bibles at me. It's okay. But I started researching it. And then one thing I found out was, how many calories you need to sustain the kind of training required for a marathon. Because I, I try to, you know, maintain certain calorie amounts, but what I realized was I was up in my exercise um, productivity, but my calorie intake was actually staying the same, if not even lesser, because I'm weird. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in, right? Just cut everything bad out. Uh, and I realized I wasn't taking in enough to sustain what I actually wanted to do. And it was actually more detrimental, even with, though the endeavors were really good. And it's this simple principle as, as we think about this idea of a pillar that I can't give what I don't have. I can't give what I don't have because I want to see tremendous change happen in my life, my family, my church, my city, my neighborhood, th this, this country, this world. But here's the thing. In the same way... If I hope to see any of that happen, especially through my life, I need to receive from God if I hope to give anything good to anyone else. Apart from what I receive from God, in some sense, I'm not going to be very helpful, and I could even be detrimental to myself and to others. And we're given a, a biblical picture of this in, in John 15 that we read earlier. Let me look at that again, John 15 and verse 4. And this is a part of a teaching Jesus was giving to his followers. And, and it continues on verse 4 to say, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So to an agrarian people, he gave a very real picture of what he's talking about. He's giving this idea that um, we're all growing. There's a very organic sense here. And he, as you see here, we're called the branches. And out of the branches, we want to see fruit. But what he's saying is, but you need to understand the life source of these branches. All of you, you need to be connected to a vine, a greater life source, if you want to produce fruit. And yo, if you're the branches, I'm the vine. Very real, literal picture that they could um, envision in their minds. If you want to see good things out of your life, you can't just work harder. You can't just do more. You need to be connected to the one that will give you life, and through you will come fruit, more life. And I, I think just this is a really helpful reminder for us of the nature of the Christian life. If you're not careful, if you're like me, 
I can, especially when I get busy, I can boil the Christian life down to all the different things I do, which are important and good. But like a good Christian does da 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 da, including coming to Sunday worship, maybe, maybe reading my Bible, maybe serving the poor, all these good different things. And, and again, I'm not negating all of that, but we have to be mindful that along with that, and I would suggest even the source of that is realizing that the Christian life is about relationship. The Christian life is about relationship. And Jesus is painting a picture for his disciples here, and hopefully we can pull something from that. Um, Abide in me and I in you. He's saying the Christian life is about being connected in union with this Savior. The Christian life is about being in communion, in relationship, knowing where your life comes from, and his name is Jesus. And and here's the thing. If we view our, our religion through this relational lens, the most significant thing that you will have to share with another person is your own relational union with Jesus. It doesn't mean that all the good things you have to do are not helpful. They are. But the most significant thing you'll have to share with another person is the union that you already share with Jesus if you're a Christian. So guys, if we believe this to be true, the most important thing that we can do for others as well as ourselves is cultivate a deeper union with Christ. The most important thing we can do is how can we set some things up so that I might grow even in closer relationship with Jesus? So just ask yourself, what are some things that you can do to deepen your communion with God? And I want to share a few things from my own journey. Some of these you might not identify with. It's all cool. But the idea is for you to think for yourself, because we're all individuals here, even as we're part of one corporate body, what does that look like for me? How can I be in a place to experience God more? So for me in my life, and I think this is probably kind of a general principle, uh, it starts with looking at my time in, in the Word, in the Bible, in, in practices like prayer. And prayer is not just talking to God, it's also hearing from Him. So the Bible and prayer go hand in hand together. And I want, I want to be, be really clear here, that can be a real shallow kind of reflection of relationship because I'm, I'm never going to be that guy, well, what's your problem? Just go read your Bible and pray. You know, you're, you're a mess in your life, just go read your Bible and pray. Um, I don't think there's just a formula to spiritual maturity, but at least for me, I can always tie back my greater health with God through his revealed word and prayer. It's that idea almost that we look at the truth of God as food for our souls. Matthew chapter, and these aren't in the screen, but you can write down the reference and look on your own. Matthew 4, 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man, this is from Jesus, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is like Sunday school 101 stuff, right? What are some ways you're going to tie in a practice of hearing from God through his word and, and walking with him in prayer? What are some things... Um, you know, there's no one way to do it. And I grew up in some traditions that look like this is the only way that you can commune with God in the Bible. And it meant like waking up really early in the morning, opening that Bible there, have a cup of coffee right here, and just sit there for a little bit. And then, re- I mean, if that works for you, cool, do it. But it can be like audio recordings about. Maybe some of you like drive to work and you hear audio recordings. Maybe it's like podcast version with people who their voice just sounds better than your own voice and you listen to them talk about the Bible. Maybe it's like doing it alongside with some kind of devotional materials that, that look at portions of Scripture and help unpack it. 
Maybe it's listening to sermons, whatever it might be. Maybe it's walking through the woods, holding a Bible. I don't know, whatever, whatever works for you. But I would encourage you, what would it look like for you to incorporate this practice of communing with God through his word and prayer in your daily life? And I'm going to say something here that might sound a little uh, heretical, but it's okay. We walk that line, right? I'm never going to say that you read your Bible every day and it's going to feel like Disney World, Jesus style. I, I, I'm not going to say that I guarantee you, you sit down, you open that Bible in the morning, you know, every other day you got a miserable road to work and you hate life and you hate the people around you, but open up that Bible. It's going to be like a spiritual Jesus vitamin, right? Make you feel really good. For, you might read the Bible sometimes and be like, eh, that was okay. Eh. You might pray sometimes. You're like, okay, I did it. Man, I've been praying long. How was it? Oh, 30 seconds. Okay. And it's like, doesn't feel like much is going on. But, but guys, part of the beauty of God's word feeding us is that you don't always sense when you're receiving like nutritional value from your walk with the Lord. Sometimes you will faithfully be walking in the word and God is feeding you and might, you might not even be knowing it. It'd be like me asking you, all right, um, so Jim, uh, eight weeks ago, what did you have for lunch that day? Um, I don't know, food, some kind of lunch. No, no, describe me what you ate because I mean, we put so much importance into what we eat, right? What did you eat? I don't remember. Because we don't always remember every single meal we eat, but we know we've eaten. Because it, it's made an impact in our life. It's fed our growth. And I want to I invite you to consider not every time that you sit in the word of God or in prayer is going to feel like spiritually hype. It's going to feel like really spiritually intense. Sometimes it might be just kind of cool. But I want to invite you to know that God is speaking. God is working. And if I can get of a word tying this into sermons on Sunday, all right, we can pull that curtain back here. I guarantee you there are going to be some Sundays you come to worship, and you might even be real excited. You're like, this is the day something's going to change. You come in, you sing in, you sit down, you got your Bible open, you listen to the sermon, and you're like, oh, I guess this wasn't their A game today, huh? That's all right. They could have put a little bit more preparation. Were they praying this week? Um, and, you know, it might be the preacher. I'll fully own that. But don't discount as well the power of God speaking through his sermons and sitting under the teaching of God's word regularly. It's just like eating. You might not know the benefit that you're always receiving through that, but I want to um, help you to consider that there's benefit there, that God is feeding you regularly. So don't discount that even if you don't always feel the effect right away. So I think that's just, you know, that's like, again, Christian 101 stuff. Read your Bible, pray. But I also think part of, at least for me, um, being in a place to deeper experience the communion with God is through understanding even physically who I am better. And some of you are like, what? That's weird. Well, the, the Bible actually talks about like how our body ties into who we are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. 
We tend to be people who really kind of set apart what our spiritual stuff. And the spiritual stuff is when we come here for like an hour and a half on Sundays, or we in Bible study, or we reading our Bible. And again, that's all spiritual. But I want to invite you to say that the Christian faith is a holistic deal. The whole amount of life is, it's all God's. He invites us into it. He invites us to take capture every single aspect of our lives, say, this is Jesus's as well. How is this also going to help me to know God more? So for me, at least, part of my communion deeper with God is I realize I can pray like all day. But if my body's not doing well, it puts me in a real funk in knowing God. And maybe some of you there as well. For me, if, if I'm not exercising, if I'm not like spiritually trying to keep myself in shape, it's really hard to feel like I'm able to jive with what God is saying through his word. If I'm not eating well, and yo, when I'm stressed, I eat bad, like like chips take on a supernatural power with me, right? They look like, like I, whatever it might be, like I like grease and sugar and all that stuff, right? When I'm not doing well, I just want to fill myself with worse stuff. But when my body's doing better, I'm in a better place to hear from the Lord. Uh, sleep is a big one. You know, for some of you, you should make this a life verse this year. Psalm 127.2, in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. That's a good verse to make a memory for this year, 2020. That sleep is a gift from God. And I used to be that knuckle-headed guy that thought the less sleep and the more I can work, the more mature I am. And just ages beat that out of me, right? Enjoy sleep. Find rest from God as he gives it. But don't discount how maintaining your body in different ways can also help you to be in deep communion with God. Um... On the flip side, maybe another way to think about union with Christ, what are those things that hinder your communion with the Lord? What are those things in your life as you become aware? I'm going to talk a little bit more about self-awareness next week. But what are some things in your life that make it difficult for you to experience God? Maybe the way you can describe it, what steals your joy in life? And I think a significant aspect of our health is recognizing what are the things that we're prone to that rob us of our joy? So just in a moment of transparency, for me, this season's a real hard season in the year. Kind of what's like when the winter sets in and vacation times and holidays. I know, I know Toyota commercials are telling us we should be jumping up and down because there's a new car sitting in the driveway. But I don't know, for me, I like get real down, like real low. When things slow down a little bit work-wise, I'm kind of forced to see who I am. That whole seasonal effective thing, yo, I don't know if I'm making it up, but it feels pretty real. And it's not like I'm not reading my Bible or praying, but it's like those things are real. And I recognize that in myself because my propensity is I totally want to withdraw from other people. I don't want to talk with people. I don't want to be around people. It's not that I don't love people, but it feels more wearisome to try to be around people and have to explain what's going on because my face shows everything's happening in me, right? It's really hard. But God has been showing me also that's something that can steal my joy. It doesn't even necessarily mean I'm sinning, but I need to be aware of those tendencies so that I can seek out ways to experience God, even in some of the darkest pits. And, yo, sometimes it feels like a real dark pit that I have no hope to get out of. But for me, at least, and again, this, you might identify some of that is through relationships. Some of the ways that God restores some of the deepest communion for me with him is actually through other people. Because isolation can be deadly. And that doesn't mean we don't need like personal time on our own. That's valuable. That's good. You should have that. But 
Sometimes one of the warning signs we can have is when we become emotionally and physically distant from others. At least for me, if I see that happening, I need to make efforts to reconnect with others. As Proverbs 17, 17 reminds us, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Sometimes you want people around you because you just want to have a good time and party, but sometimes you need some people around you because you got no other hope. God doesn't even feel real to you anymore. I don't know if we're like talk like that in here. That sounds kind of scary, but I don't know. Some of you ever experienced that? It's like you know all the truths, but every fiber within you feels like you're struggling. Sometimes the greatest gift to know God more can be another person who just sits with you and listens to you. So I, I want to say those are a few of the things, at least for me, but it's a reminder what this is all about because this is not like a five-step, here are the steps to do to experience greater spiritual tranquility in 2020 and get your 2020 vision. That's not it. But these are all like buckets. It's like if we think of these different things like buckets, like God is like raining down in, in like a waterfall and water is just rushing down and just he wants to pour into us. He wants to give us more. Um, Sometimes these different things I describe, they can be like buckets and spiritual habits that are moving those buckets so that we will be in a place to receive from God. It's not that those things are magical in and of themselves. The goal is always to experience Christ in greater ways. And God has given us these different things. And I want to welcome you. Avail yourself to them. Use them to be able to be in a place to move so that you would experience even drops from God's mercy in your life. Again, that's been uh, one of those kind of pillars for me that I can't give what I don't have. I need to receive from God what I hope to want to give to others. And I want to do every single thing I can do so that I might be able to experience deeper communion with God. So for you guys here, you know, think about what are some of those things for you? What are some of the things that help you to experience deeper communion with the Lord in relationship? A second pillar for me is that my gifts are meant to be shared. My gifts are meant to be shared. So, you know, um, I, I think politics are a little hot in our country. Um, and, you know, the one, one thing you hear is, right, man, I wish people would just keep their politics to themselves. You know, if everyone just kept it personal and, you know, just... Um, and, and, you know, sometimes another thing that's tied in with that, politics and religion. Right? People are like, if everyone would just keep their politics and their religion together to themselves and just keep it personal, you believe what you want to believe, don't talk about that with anyone else. Um, but the thing, at least, you know, maybe that's true for politics, but at least for our Christian faith, um, it's not meant to merely be a personal thing. Our, our, our religion was never meant and never intended to be something that we just keep to ourselves for our own kind of peace of mind or peace of heart with the God. Our faith is always intended to have an effect on others. Uh, look at Genesis chapter 12 with me. And this is a call that this man Abram, if, you know, if you've read in the Bible, he turns out to be this man named Abraham. Um, many, you know, in, t- in many sense, the father of our faith. But it says here, this is his first call from God. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, as you look at this here, Abram has gotten this call from God. In a sense, this relational promise that, hey, I'm going to do some great things in your life and those who are coming in your family line, your lineage, you are going to be the whole genesis of this new family of God. 
And yo, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you so much. Your name's going to be great. Everyone's going to know about you. People in 2020, Baltimore, are going to hear about your name in a sermon. But you see why. Verse 2, I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. God's blessings, his gifts are always given with this understanding that he will lavish on us. But it's never meant to be hoarded or kept to ourselves. It's always given so that it will be shared. And, and as we consider these things, these things, one of the best things you can do is to actively meditate and act on the understanding that every good thing you have is from God. And I'm talking material things, but I'm also talking deeper than that. Like every part of who you are, every gift that you cherish, every wonderful aspect of your personality, all the great things you've experienced, all that's a gift from God. And, and that means we're not joyless people here. Sometimes people think Christians are like joyless monks who just sit there and hate the world. No, actually, we're, we should be able to enjoy more than anyone the good gifts of God. We should enjoy it as a great blessing. But those things are also meant to be shared to bless others. God's blessings are given as gifts so that we could bless others. So in our family, uh, we, got, we got a bunch of different kind of rhythms that we do. One rhythm that I personally really enjoy is on each of our birthdays, whoever's birthday it is that day, they get to choose where we go to eat. You know, so it was um, when, when the kids were little, it was funny because, you know, it'd be like friendlies and IHOP, which I'm cool with. Right. So we'd be going. But their taste had gotten a little more bougie. Right. And like increased. And as they've been exposed to more different things, I'm like, OK, we need to start setting a cap here because uh, we can't bankrupt our budget just for these birthday meal traditions. But one thing we've made very clear upon these kind of gifts that we do and we tell every one of us. Right? I say this to myself as well when it's birthday. I was like. Yo, your gift gets to bless all of us. It's usually in the middle of eating whatever that food is, right? Wow. Because of your birthday, because of this gift for you, we all get to enjoy this. We all get to experience this. This is so good. You have this good thing in your life, and we all get to have that as well. And it's like those covenant promises we see in Genesis 12. God indeed blesses us, but it includes this intention that we bless others. Another way to think of it is God entrusts us with certain gifts of blessing. God trusts you with certain things for you to manage well. We use words like stewardship. It's an old English word. Basically, you're like a manager for God's resources. He's given that to you. He's entrusted that to you. Say, now go do something with it. to make wise decisions. So I think practically, what that means for me is I'm thankful for every penny that God has blessed our family with. And we thank God. We don't, we don't say we worked harder or we, or, I mean, which we did. God allows us to work hard. But ultimately, we know every single thing, every single resource we have is from God. And, and the scriptures remind us, scriptures talk so much about money because you cannot Break it off from your spiritual growth. There are verses like 2 Corinthians 8, 7 that says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And he's talking about the grace of giving. Talking about this as an essential part of the Christian maturity. 
And I want to encourage you, what does it look like in your life to view your money as not just something to save? And you should save. That's okay. And you can spend. That's okay as well. But also view what God has given you as not just yours, but his that he's given you to manage and to steward. And how can it be a wonderful gift upon someone else to bless them? And the thing is, you don't need a lot of money to think about it the way, but what you do need is this desire to be generous with whatever God has entrusted you with. And, and just to be very practical, that's probably not going to happen if you don't have some kind of financial plan in your life. If you just walk along and do whatever with the money as it comes, you probably will not have the margin to be generous. This is why things like budgets, planning can be helpful so that it frees you actually to be more generous. Another thing we can be generous with to gift uh, as, a, as a blessing is our time. For some, of us, um, for some of us, the time that we have can be such an amazing gift that we can bless with others. And how do you all view your time? You probably view it like I do. My time, my free time, my downtime. And that's all good. You need to have margin. That's good. But also view your time as something God has given you so that you could share with another you know, this is not every one of us. Some of you probably need a little more boundaries on your time, right? You're there for everyone all the time. You probably need to step back a little bit, right? Um, but for some of us, the best thing for you might be able to be, inter- to be interrupted in your schedule. Like for some of you, the best thing for your spiritual health might be it's okay to be interrupted when you've got plans, when you've got a schedule, when you've got a calendar set out for like the next month. It's okay for there to be interruptions because people, real people, will bring real interruptions. And that's not a bad thing, but to be able to share the gift of your time. Uh, for, for a lot of us, I would say maybe it's not even material things that, for you to share, but it's like passing on this idea of wisdom. Thinking on this idea of generations. Don't underestimate the impact that your seemingly small obedience today will make on the course of history. And I, I was... I was um, actually on Facebook a few weeks back for some random stuff, and someone contacted me from out of the blue. And it was crazy. It was this um, young woman who's not a young woman anymore, but at the time was a young woman I knew in college, and a lot younger than me because I was in college a long time. But um, I don't even remember this. And I, wasn't, I don't even feel like I was walking with God really at the time. But she shared some stuff saying basically, Those kind words you shared to me when I was a freshman, I still remember those today and how you kind of helped to protect our crew. I was like, wow. Like, you don't, we underestimate sometimes the things that we do to share wisdom and blessings with other people. And, And I would encourage you guys, one of the greatest things we can share with others, especially in a church context like this, the reason God gives us a diversity of different peoples is we just need to be able to hear wisdom from one another. Some of you, you have amazing wisdom to be able to pass on in how to do a marriage. Because the one thing about marriage is it's a real struggle for a lot of people. And everyone wants to know, how do I survive in this? And maybe what you can do is share some of that wisdom with people. Some of you sharing, hey, how do you develop like a study plan? Or how do you develop a life plan? How do you develop finances? How do you parent kids? How do you read the Bible? How do you exercise? How do you, whatever it might be, what's the wisdom that you have to be able to pass on to other generations? And that's why the thing about the church, it's a beautiful matter. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I have a little bit concern, and not necessarily at our church, but I, I think 
it's a valid concern for any church. If we're not careful, church, quote-unquote church, it can just become kind of a glorified, spiritualized TED Talk. Like just some good information. And, and, and that's fine. There should be some of that. Um, but the church is, is meant to provide us this community, this body by which we growingly conform to the image of Christ. And what that requires is one another. And what I want to invite you to is this understanding. You are placed here for a purpose. You have certain gifts. You have certain experiences. For some of you, the greatest thing you have to share with another person in this church is how hard it's been. I mean, church for so many people is this kind of like happy, happy, joy, joy, come play. You like turn that frown upside down and you look really smiley happy because that's what everyone in church does. And you do your church thing and you look really like holy moly. Um, but thing is, there's so many people who are like aching in their soul and not even knowing how they're going to make it to tomorrow and just looking for some place where there's some kind of hope that's not present in the world. And one of the best things you can do is bring down some of your guards and barriers and say, yo, it's really hard. It's just like really difficult. I don't know if I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. But I had this hope in Jesus Christ, and I just fixed my eyes on him and keep following. And I invite you to do the same, that he loves us even in our deepest brokenness. And that's where I want to point you to Jesus and invite you to the good news that we have because, you know, I like having pillars, rules of life, uh, values set up. The reality is I, a lot of my pillars fall real easily. They crumble. My resolutions, my commitments. And in that heart, we have this amazing Savior named Jesus who we talk about this idea of being generous and, you know, being able to share what we have. And... The understanding what Jesus is, when we talk about union with him, he's the one that initiates union with us through the sacrifice of his own body. When we talk about being generous, he's the one that when we didn't give anything, he gave himself. And I want to invite you into that, that ultimately as we look at these different pillars, they're good to set up. But the pillars are all based upon who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's why we gather here regularly. We come to the table, and we take this bread, and we remember the broken body of Jesus, and we dip it in the cup, and we remember the blood that was shed from Christ, forgive us of our sins, make us right with God. And the greatest hope that we have is for people who mess up, who fall short, who don't follow through on what we're supposed to do. People who sometimes, if you're like me, feel like you're never going to make it, Jesus just keeps inviting us, saying, come back, keep coming back, keep coming back, be united with me. So I want to ask you to stand with me right now. And if you're a Christian, if you would confess that you have this union with Jesus, maybe think about a few of those things we talked about. What do you need to receive from God to be able to pass on to others? What would it look like for you to be able to have a heart of generosity? I would... I would I would suggest it ultimately comes down to being rooted with Christ. And this is our hope. So if you're not a Christian, maybe today you can come and receive communion. Take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup right there, and take it. But maybe you can do with the effort of not trying to do something to make myself better, but rather to remind myself of who loves me when I'm not good enough. And that's who Jesus is. And if you're a Christian, obviously remind yourself of that good news. Let me pray for us. Lord, help us. We confess, Lord, as we look to live this life, uh, we need 
all of these things we talk about and we know that they come in you. Help us, Lord, to seek you. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Lord, I pray for the despondent in this room. I pray for those who are struggling, those who have even known how to best do the practices of the Christian faith, but we've lost sight of the heart. Would you draw us back to the understanding of the Savior who loves us, who doesn't place conditions upon us, but welcomes us to grace and to kindness and to mercy. Lord, I pray for some of us in here who have been putting on a good show, even to ourselves. You would give us the freedom to be able to bring down that veil and know the one who looks at us with loving eyes, invites us for freedom. So help us to experience joy, not just in the circumstances, but in who the center of our life is in Jesus. So I invite you to continue to pray, sing, come to the table. You can come in groups if you'd like, and let's partake in the feast with our Lord.